Part three, section three of the Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I pass on to the eighth passage called a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter twelve verse fourteen. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself and great numbers followed him, and he healed them all. And he charged them they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sends forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. In the first place, this passage hath not the least relation to the purpose for which it is quoted. Matthew says, that the Pharisees held a council against Jesus to destroy him, that Jesus withdrew himself, that great numbers followed him, that he healed them, and that he charged them they should not make him known. But the passage Matthew has quoted as being fulfilled by these circumstances does not so much as apply to any one of them. It has nothing to do with the Pharisees holding a council to destroy Jesus, with his withdrawing himself, with great numbers following him, with his healing them, nor with his charging them not to make him known. The purpose for which the passage is quoted, and the passage itself, are as remote from each other as nothing from something. But the case is, that people have been so long in the habit of reading the books called the Bible and Testament with their eyes shut and their senses locked up, that the most stupid inconsistencies have passed on them for truth and imposition for prophecy. The all-wise Creator hath been dishonored by being made the author of fable, and the human mind degraded by believing it. In this passage, as in the last mentioned, the name of the person of whom the passage speaks is not given, and we are left in the dark respecting him. It is this defect in the history that bigotry and imposition have laid hold of, and called it prophecy. Had Isaiah lived in the time of Cyrus, the passage would descriptively apply to him. As king of Persia, his authority was great among the Gentiles, and it is of such a character the passage speaks. And his friendship to the Jews, whom he liberated from captivity, and who might then be compared to a bruised reed, was extensive. But this description does not apply to Jesus Christ, who had no authority among the Gentiles. And as to his own countrymen, figuratively described by the bruised reed, it is they who crucified him. 
neither can it be said of him that he did not cry and that his voice was not heard in the street as a preacher it was his business to be heard and we are told that he travelled about the country for that purpose matthew has given a long sermon which if his authority is good but which is much to be doubted since he imposes so much jesus preached to a multitude upon a mountain and it would be a quibble to say that a mountain is not a street since it is a place equally as public the last verse in the passage the fourth as it stands in isaiah and which matthew has not quoted says he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law this also applies to cyrus he was not discouraged he did not fall he conquered all babylon liberated the jews and established laws but this cannot be said of jesus christ who in the passage before us according to matthew withdrew himself for fear of the pharisees and charged the people that followed him not to make it known where he was and who according to other parts of the testament were continually moving from place to place to avoid being apprehended note in the second part of the age of reason i have shown that the book ascribed to isaiah is not only miscellaneous as to matter but as to authorship that there are parts in it which could not be written by isaiah because they speak of things one hundred and fifty years after he was dead the instance i have given of this in that work corresponds with the subject i am upon at least a little better than matthew's introduction and his quotation isaiah lived the latter part of his life in the time of hezekiah and it was about one hundred and fifty years from the death of hezekiah to the first year of the reign of cyrus when cyrus published a proclamation which is given in the first chapter of the book of ezra for the return of the jews to jerusalem it cannot be doubted at least it ought not to be doubted that the jews would feel an affectionate gratitude for this act of benevolent justice and it is natural they would express that gratitude in the customary style bombastical and hyperbolical as it was which they used on extraordinary occasions and which was and still is in practice with all the eastern nations the instance to which i refer and which is given in the second part of the age of reason is the last verse of the forty-fourth chapter and the beginning of the forty-fifth in these words that saith of cyrus he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure even saying to jerusalem thou shalt be built and to the temple thy foundation shalt be laid this saith the lord to his anointed to cyrus whose right hand i have holden to subdue nations before him and i will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates and the gates shall not be shut 
this complimentary address is in the present tense which shows that the things of which it speaks were in existence at the time of writing it and consequently that the author must have been at least one hundred and fifty years later than isaiah and that the book which bears his name is a compilation the proverbs called solomon's and the psalms called david's are of the same kind the last two verses of the second book of chronicles and the three first verses of the first chapter of ezra are word for word the same which show that the compilers of the bible mixed the writings of different authors together and put them under some common head as we have here an instance of the forty-fourth and forty-fifth chapters of the introduction of the name of cyrus into a book to which it cannot belong it affords good ground to conclude that the passage in the forty-second chapter in which the character of cyrus is given without his name has been introduced in like manner and that the person there spoken of is cyrus End note. but it is immaterial to us at this distance of time to know who the person was it is sufficient to the purpose i am upon that of detecting fraud and falsehood to know who it was not and to show it was not the person called jesus christ i pass on to the ninth passage called a prophecy of jesus christ matthew chapter twenty one verse one and when they drew nigh unto jerusalem and were come to bethphage unto the mount of olives then jesus sent two of his disciples saying unto them go into the village over against you and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt tied with her loose them and bring them unto me and if any man say aught to you ye shall say the lord hath need of them and straightway he will send them all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying tell ye the daughter of zion behold thy king cometh unto thee meek and setting on an ass and a colt the foal of an ass poor ass let it be some consolation amidst all thy sufferings that if the heathen world erected a bear into a constellation the christian world has elevated thee into a prophecy this passage is in zechariah chapter nine verse nine and is one of the whims of friend zechariah to congratulate his countrymen who were then returning from captivity in babylon and himself with them to jerusalem it has no concern with any other subject it is strange that apostles priests and commentators never permit or never suppose the jews to be speaking of their own affairs everything in the jewish books is perverted and distorted into meanings never intended by the writers even the poor ass must not be a jew ass but a christian ass i wonder they did not make an apostle of him or a bishop 
or at least make him speak and prophesy, he could have lifted up his voice as loud as any of them. Zechariah, in the first chapter of his book, indulges himself in several whims on the joy of getting back to Jerusalem. He says at the eighth verse, I saw by night, Zechariah was a sharp-sighted seer, and behold, a man sitting on a red horse, yes, reader, a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom, and behind him were red horses speckled and white. He says nothing about green horses, nor blue horses, perhaps because it is difficult to distinguish green from blue by night. But a Christian can have no doubt they were there, because faith is the evidence of things not seen. Zechariah then introduces an angel among his horses, but he does not tell us what color the angel was of, whether black or white, or whether he came to buy horses, or only to look at them as curiosities, for certainly they were of that kind. Be this, however, as it may, he enters into conversation with this angel on the joyful affair of getting back to Jerusalem, and he saith at the sixteenth verse, Therefore thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. An expression signifying the rebuilding the city. All this, whimsical and imaginary as it is, sufficiently proves that it was the entry of the Jews into Jerusalem from captivity, and not the entry of Jesus Christ seven hundred years afterwards, that is the subject upon which Zechariah is always speaking. As to the expression of riding upon an ass, which commentators represent as a sign of humility in Jesus Christ, the case is, he never was so well mounted before. The asses of those countries are large and well proportioned, and were anciently the chief of riding animals. Their beasts of burden, and which served also for the conveyance of the poor, were camels and dromedaries. We read in Judges, chapter 10, verse 4, that Jair, one of the judges of Israel, had thirty sons that rode on thirty ass-colts and they had thirty cities. But commentators distort everything. There is besides very reasonable grounds to conclude that this story of Jesus riding publicly into Jerusalem, accompanied, as it is said at the eighth and ninth verses, by a great multitude shouting and rejoicing and spreading their garments by the way, is altogether a story destitute of truth. In the last passage, called a prophecy that I examined, Jesus is represented as withdrawing, that is, running away and concealing himself for fear of being apprehended, and charging the people that were with him not to make him known. 
no new circumstances had arisen in the interim to change his condition for the better yet here he is represented as making his public entry into the same city from which he had fled for safety the two cases contradict each other so much that if both are not false one of them at least can scarcely be true for my own part i do not believe there is one word of historical truth in the whole book i look upon it at best to be a romance the principal personage of which is an imaginary or allegorical character founded upon some tale and in which the moral is in many parts good and the narrative part very badly and blunderingly written i pass on to the tenth passage called a prophecy of jesus christ matthew chapter twenty six verse fifty one and behold one of them which was with jesus meaning peter stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear then said jesus unto him put up again thy sword into its place for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword thinkest thou that i cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be in that same hour jesus said to the multitudes are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves for to take me i sat daily with you teaching in the temple and ye laid no hold on me but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled this loose and general manner of speaking admits neither of detection nor of proof here is no quotation given nor the name of any bible author mentioned to which reference can be had there are however some high improbabilities against the truth of the account first it is not probable that the jews who were then a conquered people and under subjection to the romans should be permitted to wear swords secondly if peter had attacked the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear he would have been immediately taken up by the guard that took up his master and sent to prison with him thirdly what sort of disciples and preaching apostles must those of christ have been that wore swords fourthly this scene is represented to have taken place the same evening of what is called the lord's supper which makes according to the ceremony of it the inconsistency of wearing swords the greater end of part three section three